Big Finish for the love of stories. You're listening to the Big Finish podcast. Release date the 20th of September 2022. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. What? What's going on? Oh. Oh, come on. Come on. No, 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 no. I didn't agree to the upgrade. No! Never agree to the upgrade. Oh, what, 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 wait, 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 this isn't new. This is old. This is really old. You all right, old girl? Is that a distress signal? Cubic and Benji. I'm Benji Clifford, he's Nick yes. Briggs, this is Big Finish, audiobooks, audio drama, and, well, this podcast, oh. all for the love of stories. In a packed podcast this week, released just after a respectful pause for the UK's official period of national mourning, we've got the 10th Doctor, we've got Cybermen, we've got Bernice Summerfield, we've got David Warner's brilliant final appearance as the Unbound Doctor, and we've got Torchwood. Yes, we've got a lot. After this intro, we'll be straight in with the good review guide. This week, we're talking about Torchwood, the Great Santaran War. Torchwood, the Great Santaran War. Let battle commence! Then we're off behind the scenes with Bernie Summerfield, Blood and Steel. The kind of release you can really get your teeth into. Great performances all round. Lisa Baum and David Warner, a controversial historical setting, and classic Doctor Who nasties, the Cybermen. Out today. Don't miss it. Come with me. Tomorrow belongs to us. Following that, it's once again time to open your ear inbox with listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. Thanks for writing in, folks. <laughs> Thank you. And in our also available segment, we'll be taking a behind-the-scenes look at Torture Death in Venice when Ace meets Mr. Colchester. Delicious. And also out this week. I'm Sophie Aldred and I play Ace. Then the Randomoid Selectatron will once again be giving you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. Let me summon up a secret snippet. <laughs> And then it'll be time to give you a free 15-minute drama tease. This week, we're zipping back to last week's blockbuster release. In case you missed it, the 10th Doctor Classic Companions and an episode entitled Splinters by John Dorney featuring Lula and K-9. K-9, I'm sorry I did not recognise you, Doctor. Oh, that's OK. It's a new suit. No, probably that. Time now for our good review guide, finding the latest positive comments about Big Finish Productions to help recommend them for you. And as promised this week, we're looking at Torchwood, the Great Sontaran War. I should just mention there's a big fly flying around in my, in my shed here, and I don't know. Go is away! It, is it is it part of the Great Sontaran War? It is, the Sontaran fly. It's a Sontaran fly. Jack wants you to fulfil your mission, to find out about humanity. And report back to the Sontaran Empire. What could possibly go wrong? From Big Finish Productions. Torchwood. The Great Sontaran War. Let battle commence! I am the most intelligent creature on the Mumbles Bay Caravan Park, let alone the planet Earth. You crackers. 
Let us advance on the other shower block and stain the drains red with the blood of our enemies. There is a problem with your tail. Someone is coming down. I do not understand. Stop hitting the checkout. I shall not scream. You will never hear us on Darwin scream. You have a cat. The internet is mostly about them. Therefore, I have acquired one. For a search. Finally! This is the great Santaran War! Big finish. We love stories. Waiter! Waiter! I demand you release us from this luxury hotel and snack! Well, just go to bigfinish.com and type Great Suntaran into the search pane to find yourself in the Mumbles Bay Caravan Park with <laughs> Yanto Jones and a Major Craig. I was in a caravan park last week, actually. Yeah. Did you have... Uh, were you, was Major Craig there? Yeah, no, he wasn't there. Actually. I think he was out. I, think he was, I saw uh, the photo, actually, on... Yeah. Very tranquil. Very nice. Very nice. Well, well we started in a caravan park, but... Um, the, the lake there wasn't very good, so in the end we phoned up a pub and asked if we could just stay in their, their car park, and they said yes. Wow. And so it was much nicer, really, yeah. Lovely. Quickest walk back to, to sleep I've ever had. Yeah. Well, first up, uh, blogtohu.com Peter Nolan says, uh, Thanks to a superbly judged performance from Dan Starkey, you're never quite sure if this will all end in the major successfully adapting, going on a murderous rampage, returning to the stars, or just ending it all. <laughs> Ultimately, the ending provides a satisfactorily bittersweet sunset for the Davies Moffat era Sontarans to march off into. I say uh, cultbox.co.uk Ian McArdle says this is a slow burn comic tale less rib tickling I'm uh, sorry about the burning and more thought provoking it is doubtless not worth considering the real implications of embedding an alien warrior in human society or indeed how this comes about the setup is handled with such brevity and charm that we are inclined to go with it the story considers themes of isolation and finding one's purpose as well as taking a couple of broad swipes at the capitalist system mercenary landlords and our ill treatment of foreign labour are all in the firing line which is not to say this is heavy going as writer James Goss manages all this with an enjoyably light touch four stars in blue one in white which I think means that it's extra special thank you it is Ian. extra special yeah, yeah it is and talking of extra special well we've got Tony Filer here son of <gasps> Bill Filer what about um, the uh, Exxons the Exxons uh, and of course a uh, member of the Flying Circus uh, Tony Flyers Flying Circus from walkbacto.com uh, the Are there Centaur any new extensions of Tony Filer's name that we can you know I suppose there's t you know Tony Filing uh, a great filing cabinet fan or so um, maybe he does a bit flyer, of filing filer. Of yeah he can file yeah, things yeah. down it's got a nice file you yeah. know um, Flyer Fryler no Fryer I don't know <laughs> Well, anyway, he says, yeah. uh, The Great Santaran War absolutely is as funny as the idea of a Santaran on probation in a Swansea caravan park makes it sound. Craig's conversations with Yanto are hysterical and poignant by turns, and the Santaran's discovery of, and experience with, pets is enough to make this a must-listen on its own. But the story also has some powerful social messaging running down its spine and leaves you realising that things we take as red and things that make life grim and make us feel powerless may not be as unshakably, unchangeably awful after all. 
What a beautiful review. Mm. Thank you, Tony. Uh, we made this network.com, Baz Greenland, uh, formerly named Bad Greenland, uh, for uh, people that don't re- like Greenland, for, for, <laughs> for reasons of uh, typos. Um, the Great Sontaran War certainly plays on expectations. Nigel Harrison's caravan park manager, Mr. Higgins, is a piece of work, the sort of Brexit loving, foreigner hating man that you presume Craig will get on with like a house on fire. Among the many subplots Goss weaves in is the poor treatment of fruit pickers, which gives Craig a startling, fresh perspective on humanity and allows him to build into a sort of anti-hero as the story progresses. Similarly, his relationship with Kay Brown's Betty Appleby grows from <coughs> antagonistic to... So was that a dog barking? No, it was me coughing, actually. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there, there you go. Good boy. <laughs> I thought you seem to have a reaction to Betty Appleby. (laughs) Uh, Grows from antagonistic to something more heartfelt. Two lonely souls finding something in each other, which is both unexpected and delightful. Even at the very end, Goss's script doesn't play as expected. And like many of his stories, it is just begging in capital letters for a sequel. Seriously, I would listen to a whole range of stories spinning off from where the great Sontaran War gloriously ends. What a what a fantastic review and what a recommendation for a great release. Lovely. It certainly is. Yeah, well, scifibulletin.com, you've got a lot to live up to. Now, Paul Simpson says, James Goss's script is very well judged. At its heart, the story is about a group of loners forced to work together, which, to a large extent, isn't a bad description overall of Torchwood itself. It's about tolerance overall and... Alert, oh, that's an overall alert. alert. Yeah, get your waders on. Uh, about tolerance and where the line should be drawn. A glorious and thought-provoking release. Nine out of ten. Sorry, my, my overall release sounded like a frightened... I it sounded a bit say. like an elephant, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was meant to be this... <laughs> That's what it was meant to be. That's much better, yeah. yeah. I just got so excited. Sound the elephants. When I saw the word overall, I just sort of, it was like a weird whinny. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, on Twitterama, uh, let's hope there are no more overalls. Anyway, it's a lovely review from Paul Simpson, wasn't it? Well, overall, yeah. (laughs) Do you think he was wearing an overall when he uh, wrote it? I should jolly well hope so. I hope so. Write in and let us know, Paul. On Twitterama, at Jenkins100Rose says, listened again to a favourite torch with the great Sontaran War. From hashtag Big Finish. It was delightful. Just what I needed today. Kudos and thanks to at Goss Chan, that's James Goss, uh, Panchiers, that's um, Gareth, you know, Yanto, at Dan Starkey and Liz- Lisa Bauman. I was going to say Elizabeth Bauman, which would just offend everyone, including Lisa. Uh, sorry about that, who directed it. Alfie Shaw and everyone else involved. I think Alfie must have been co-producing or producing. Anyway, brilliant. Well, there's another shout out here. Adam Lance Garcia says, Hey, James Goss or Goss Jam on Twitter. Tortured the Great Santara War was an absolute joy. I like that. Short, short but sweet. Straight to yeah. the point, you know. Like like the Santana, short and yeah. sweet. Yeah, yeah, very true. <laughs> uh, Doc, Dr. Tok says, just listen to Torture at the Great Santara War. That's in capitals, by the way, for emphasis. By uh, James Garson, big finish. What a superb story. Dan Stark and Gareth David Lloyd are so funny together in a surprisingly touching and human tale. I wait the group Marshall Cat <laughs> spin-off. Very highly recommended. Superb. 
Uh, Fizzy X Rat here says Torture of the Great Sontaran War was glorious. I simply adore Field Marshal Cat. There we go. Physics Rat? Fizzy X Rat? I don't know. Anyway, listen, I'm just put an extra one in here from uh, Philip Pedney from the uh, Sirens of Audio. Uh, his review is The Great Sontaran War. It is said the best way to see yourself is through the eyes of an enemy. Though seeing yourself and your culture through the eyes of a Sontaran is probably not what Sun Tzu meant in the art of war. The monthly tortured range has gone from strength to strength and with the great Sontaran war reaches new levels of brilliance. James Goss has created a script that is extremely funny while still making important points about people and society and all without preaching. The prevailing theme of this story is loneliness. Major Craig, played by master Sontaran actor Dan Starkey, has been captured on his lone mission to examine the Earth. He is placed in one of the loneliest places on Earth, a caravan park in Swansea. But, you know, apologies to anyone in Swansea listening, that may not be true. Uh, With only the internet to entertain him, he learns about pets for company. And as the internet is mostly about cats, or at least it was in the noughties, adopts Group Marshal Cat to further his knowledge. Craig is provided for by loneliest Torchwood member Yanto Jones. This story is set early in the televised run before Yanto had formed bonds with the team. Gareth David Lloyd manages to wring out every bit of sympathy he can for his character, and he and Craig go on a journey of discovery. Seeing the world through the eyes of a Sontaran is hilarious. Drinking tea becomes hot leaf interrogation of neighbours. The local fruit pickers are the warrior elites. Supermarkets are killing grounds and prisons, hotels. <laughs> through the laughter is truth about the evils of capitalism, racism and corruption by power people. As always, director Lisa Bauman gets to the emotional truth of the work and her small cast tell a large story. Special mention to Blair Mowat, who has created a simple but effective music score. Initially with marching war drums to divide scenes, he soon adds the fife. Then later, when an orchestra is used during the heightened action scenes, it makes the music all the more powerful by the fact he held off his big guns till the end. Good planning there from Blair. Very good. Excellent composer. There is far more that one could rave about, but just listen to it. It will be the most enjoyable hour you spend that day. Philip Edney, the sirens of audio. Thank you, Philip. Beautiful review. Um, I didn't read it out that that well, but luckily there was editing to sort that out. Uh, That's it for the reviews this week. (laughs) Next time, we'll be talking about The Diary of River Song, Series 9, New Recruit. Well, still to come on the podcast, the return of listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com, and we'll be delving behind the scenes of this week's Torchwood release, Death in Venice, featuring the teaming up of classic Doctor Who companion Ace with Torchwood's Mr. Colchester. Mm, but first, let us delve behind the scenes with this week's rather brilliant Bernice Summerfield four hour box set, Blood and Steel. This is great stuff. Come with me. Tomorrow belongs to us. My name's Scott Hancock, and I am the director of Doctor Who, The New Adventures of Bernie Summerfield. Berlin, the city that never sleeps. It was quite exciting getting a bunch of scripts set in 1930s Berlin. 
because I always like to try and cast authentically when it comes to accents. You get a sense of local flavour. The brilliant thing is we know lots of acting agencies, voice agencies who have international clients. We've sort of steered towards actors who can either speak German or have very, very strong German accents. Berlin, where the party never ends. The compare is an interesting character. They are, I suppose, uh, the term wouldn't have been known then, but they're, they're non-binary. Welcome, mesdames et messieurs, and everything in between, to the Eclectica. They don't really identify as male or female. They're just quite, uh, you know, bold and theatrical. Uh, you know, it's that sense that in Berlin, anything goes. There's a very sort of strong cabaret vibe throughout. And... There is an actor I knew I've worked with before at Big Finish and know three mutual friends who uh, does a lot of cabaret and um, also spent a lot of time, I think, back in the day out in Berlin. So I dropped them a line and said, would you be up for Doctor Who? They're a massive Doctor Who fan, so I thought, brilliant. Um, and uh, do you mind digging out your sort of accent from your Berlin memories. And uh, curiously, when I mentioned their name to James Goss, James was already familiar with them from the cabaret scene. So actually we have an actor who fills that compare role in real life as well as behind the microphone. Hello, um, I'm Andrew Pepper and I play the compare. What are you? I am glamour. They're, they're very... Uh, enigmatic characters. Not you don't really know much about them. They're the uh, the MC of a very decadent Berlin nightclub in Weimar, Germany, um, and they're pretty pretty cheesed off with their lot in life. Um, they're really they've sort of given up on life really, and are just resigned to being drunk. <laughs> I'm not sure I care for you. Have Wolf bring you a milk. Two of these and you'll adore me, Gramps. This is quite a, a larger-than-life performance, which I wouldn't usually dream of doing on a microphone. <laughs> um, uh, but that kind of size of scale is, is comes easy to me because when you're in cabaret, you're used to kind of vocally sitting at that kind of large level. The most scandalous, the most debauched club in all of Berlin. That whole period of of Berlin, and specifically with cabaret, has become so sort of romanticised, which is bizarre, really, when you think about how horrific it really was. So I would like to go and see the reality of it, um, because a lot of that kind of fabulousness was a sort of response against horrific things happening. But I want to see if it really was as fabulous and as fun when you're in the moment or if it was not, if that makes sense. Obviously, non-binary people, transgender people have always existed through time. There's archaeological evidence of this. But it's interesting how in the last century or slightly before, so much was suddenly suppressed and almost erased from history. So it's almost re-establishing the idea that these communities are part of everyday life, which up until then they sort of always had been. We in Berlin are starving fabulously. The young flock from all over to us. They fill the streets, they shiver in the forest, desperately hoping that we'll take them in. Berlin 
in the 1930s was, uh, I mean, it's a fascinating city because it spent much of the 20th century being apart from the country it was in. Mm. So in the 1930s, it became this hedonistic paradise that was loathed by the rest of Germany. And by the end of the war, it was just one of the most feared places in the world. But, you know, that's the reason why Berlin was completely wiped out and destroyed, because it was so against what was seen as uh, conservative German ideology. Mm. You get characters like Wolf, you know, there, there really were people who flocked to the forests outside Berlin and froze to death desperate for jobs in Berlin. Who, I think there's a few lines in episode one where Wolf says, you know, uh, his father asked him to stay and his mother just didn't speak to him. And you can imagine that. It's sort of, you know, those people going, oh, I'm off to make my fortune in London or something like that. And people going, well, you know, it'll change you. Um, And yeah, people doing anything to live in this sort of thriving metropolis that, as you say, seemed to be hedonistic and, and against the sort of general attitudes of the time. My name is Aletta, Aletta Lohmeyer. Director of the Conformity Institute. The director's voice immediately when I read it, for some reason it just reminded, because she's a woman who's in charge, she's absolutely convinced, I'm going into my German mode now, she's convinced that everything she does is absolutely correct and right and best for the whole world. And I think people like that, this kind of delusion thing, they're so convinced that what they're doing is right, that they're quite happy to uh, have people murdered, gassed, whatever it is, just because they have this feeling they're making it into a better world. And it's people are still like that. Nothing has changed in the world. And that's the greatest danger that we face all the time. And because my mother was, she was not a Nazi, in fact, she was opposite, she was fighting the Nazis, but whenever she fought anything, it was very much like her belief was that it was a terrible thing to do and you must fight it no matter what. And also the house and the home, she brought us up on, on herself, uh, by herself in the end. And we had a nanny, but everything had to be in order, it had to be done correctly and rightly. And she was very strict in terms of what she felt the homework we should do, the characters we should be. Uh, so I just thought, if I do her kind of voice, with her kind of accent, which she never lost, it would be perfect for the part. I am Lisa Bowerman, and I play Bernice Surprise Summerfield. Oh, sorry, don't forget, Professor Bernice yes. Surprise Summerfield. Berlin in the 1930s. Not where you'd want an energy signal. It feels like so long. I've forgotten how to play her. No, I haven't. How could I possibly forget? You're always so pompous when you're sulking. I've missed seeing people's faces and catching up in green rooms and having lunches and acting with people. I mean, you can act with people over the internet, but it's not quite the same thing. You know, acting's a team sport and it's been a bit weird. There are some planets, some times, where it hurts to even breathe the air. Early 1930s Berlin, a city of freedom and joy with no idea of tomorrow. I don't want to be here. Nor do I, but there's... The energy signal. Yes. When I saw that, I thought, oh, this is an interesting revisit because 
Um, obviously, there has been, she, she has experienced the Second World War before in, in the very, um, I, I hesitate to say popular, but the, the very uh, well-received adaptation of Just War, which was, one, of course, one of the first CDs that came out. So she has experience of just what the Nazis have in store for people. Yeah, not great. Like death, history happens to other people. That's how we cope with it. No, I, I think the, uh, everything has been coloured by her her personal experience. And obviously the doctor has seen many awful things in, over the course of his however many hundreds of years and uh, sees, sees, I say evil is probably the wrong word, but sees enemies and bad people uh, in many guises. Uh, his, his approach is a little bit more detached, maybe a bit more pragmatic. Hers is much more personal. And I think that's what colours this bo particular box set. I really thought we could learn something from you. You can. How to survive. Well, just go to bigfinish.com and type blood and steel to encounter this thought-provoking, innovative slice of audio drama. Time now for listeners' emails. <laughs> And if you want to have your own innov innovative slice of email, uh, all oh, you have to yes. do is just send it to us. <laughs> just send it to podcast at bigfinish.com. Send it through the wires that, uh, that unite us all throughout, you know, the sort of internet wires. I was yeah, to, yeah, good, good. Of, I, then, I, then, I've got uh, a confession to make, by the way. Oh, yeah. That I knew that I did something. It's been a week since we've done listeners' emails, and I'd Cheers. already forgotten what to do. Because, you know, I go <laughs> listeners' emails, don't I know? Yeah. And... Um, but I got confused for a moment and I really went listeners' emails. I to do Kuna Kenbenji. Oh, I'm getting That's old. The plot. I'm yeah, getting this old. is it. It's just, you know, one week out and everything changes. I've, I've completely forgotten. <laughs> I, I don't know who I am. Uh, well, Joshua Duffy certainly does. Uh, says here, uh, hi, Nick and Benji. Hi there. Hi there. Uh, I, I'm sorry that this is another email about novel adaptations. Course, oh, just good grief. Following us around. Uh, I'm sure this is going to be a rather monotonous uh, one, but here, here goes. Um <sighs> I think the reason why the novel <laughs> straight away uh, I think the reason why the novel adaptation oh. sold poorly was because some of the books that were uh, that were adapted required additional context from the other books that were adapted Weren't and this adapted. would have scared sorry this wouldn't have this would have scared newcomers <sighs> away from either never reading The Virgin New Adventures or weren't born when the books were published. I think the more reasonable way to bring back the range is to adapt more books from The Virgin Missing Adventures and uh. past Doctor Adventures ranges like the fourth Doctor adaptations as they have self-contained plot lines and would make it easier for newcomers to understand without requiring additional context. The most ideal books to adapt would be the Scales of Injustice, Players, World Game and Illegal Alien as they are the most celebrated books that don't require additional context for newcomers. That's my take on it anyway. Oh. Uh, I've noticed that we haven't heard any updates about when the four Doctors and the five Companions will be available to purchase for non-monthly range subscribers in a while since the monthly range has now ended. Are there options? Uh, are there other options to release them still being looked at or will they stay as subscriber-exclusive audios permanently? Sincerely, Joshua Duffy. Nick, Josh, Joshua. answer, answer. Uh, Joshua, I'm I'm sorry. I hope you just take uh, 
take what I said, all my silly noises in, in a good spirit. And let me just see. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, to take the last person, last person, last point first, the four and five doctors, the, sorry, the four doctors and the five companions, no news on that yet. Uh, it's an interesting point about adaptations, um, but I just feel that it's a slightly different audience. And those, you often find that there are a lot of people who um, uh, want something and they make a lot of noise about it, but that it's a disproportionate amount of noise compared with the number of people there actually are in terms of who's going to buy it. And I think that's what happened with the novel adaptations. I think I think it's fair to say to the novel adaptations that they they sell well in the long term. So maybe it's a long term investment, uh, but they don't sell quickly, which is you know. It's a problem if you if any of you out there run a business, you know that it's all about cash flow and you need need the money to come in quite quickly <laughs> and not for it to take several years to arrive, you know. Because you can't say to the people you're having to pay bills to, sorry, I will pay you in a few years' time when the money <laughs> yeah, actually comes yeah. in. You you kind of need it need the readies, don't you? you need it straight away. So interesting, but I will raise that and those particular titles as well, the scales of injustice. That's by Gary Russell, you know. Yeah, I don't know who the others are. Are they all by Gary Russell? Is this really from Gary Russell? This email. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, interesting. Have I answered everything unsatisfactorily there? I think so. I believe so. I believe yeah. so. Very unsatisfactory. Sorry about that. Next up from Adam. Um, questions for Nick and Benji. Okay, here we go. Uh, since you're both masters of sound effects and music, it's very kind of you to say so. What's the noise stroke instrument stroke melody that's given you the most trouble to either capture in the real world, reproduce from an old Doctor Who, or translate from something you've imagined into a form that can be heard by others? How did you manage it? Thanks in advance, it says. I think he means advance. <laughs> uh, Adam, uh, Newcastle, Australia. I didn't know there was a Newcastle in Australia. Yeah, it must be. Uh, probably an old castle as well. <laughs> so what? Uh, this is this is. Oh gosh, everything's difficult. I mean, there are there are certain things that just don't sound good. Like it's very hard to replicate, for example, a saxophone. Will always, in yeah. my opinion, uh, only it very low. Pretty... The saxophones playing in the low notes is okay, but the high notes yes. always sounds artificial, doesn't it? As a virtual instrument, it just doesn't quite have the same. You can get these things, wind controllers, which you blow into, which have great results but then if you're not a sax player then it's you know it's you're not going to do it quite right i think we've discussed before between us not televised but the spangle sound on the theme those sort of weird oh yeah nobody really knows what they are no they uh, i mean mark Ayers has said he thinks they happen sort of almost accidentally as they put it through a wobulator or something i probably got that completely wrong but because because that version of the theme has the everything in it is echoing slightly and he thinks that they didn't divide it up into different tracks they just took the mono recording and processed it through a, a real-time old effects unit of some description something yeah and, some and of that was crazy a, a weird, stuff and, and that was a sort of yeah. weird artifact that came out of it that was and they thought well that's nice yeah <laughs> well you know there are so many things that happy accidents you know like the whole of the 80s was was defined by this might bore some people but I'm going to tell you the story anyway is that in the studio they have um they have a talkback microphone you know a microphone that that in the studio you can communicate through mm. and some drums were playing and the talkback microphone was accidentally on 
at the time, and there was a slight delay, slight delay to it. Wow! Uh, and that that is sort of became uh, a drum sound that was used by Peter Gabriel and um, Phil Collins. This delayed drum sound, and it ended up becoming like the signature '80s drum sound. Wow! So things do Did they happen. Always have to use the talkback mic for it. No, it ended up being developed into to what we call uh, like d- decay on um, on reverb. So you can delay the reverb slightly. Um, but reverb, for those that don't know, is is like an echo, as it were. That's, uh, but um, but oh, yeah, I've got I think... some information here that Mark sent Ooh, me. Oh, go for it, go for it. I, it was in an old uh, Facebook message he sent me. The original Troutner Pertwee themes were edits and overdubs of the original master recording from 1963. Nobody could be be bothered to remix it from scratch. I suspect the echo was introduced mainly to disguise the edits. (laughs) We still don't know how the spangles were done, as no separate element was kept. My best guess at this point is that they were done live using the Tempophon, which was an analogue tape-based pitch changer. That's still, but that's still just a guess, he says. So it wasn't wow. a wobulator. I'm talking out of my. Yeah, the wobulator goes. Yeah. So a tempophon. Do you want to look up tempophon? Temp O P H O N. Tempophon. Tempophon. Mark is such an expert in all this. It's called Wikidelia, the Delia Derbyshire. It says here that uh, Tempophon is a device with rotating heads that could change the pitch of a sound without modifying its tempo. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Also known as a Springer machine, yeah. Uh, it was released in Germany in 1955 and was a tape machine add-on following the independent time and pitch changes on analog tape by a rotating head block and electromagnetical, um, electromechanical sound granulation. <laughs> I love it um, when you say that. <laughs> granulation. Um, no, I meant uh, all know, of it. Well, thank you very much. But, you know, it's a, a lot of these old things. Replicating old stuff is difficult. It is hard. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you have to, you have to kind of, you know, I, I, I made the Dalek alarms from the early 1960s stuff from scratch. And that took a lot of work, kind of just messing around with synthesizers and working out and deconstructing. Like, how, how did they get this noise? What's the, what, what, how many layers of sound are here? And then what I like to do with all the old sound is run them through a virtual tape deck or, as I have done with some things, a real tape deck. And we're not talking cassette tapes, we're talking huge quarter like, inch. Quarter inch, they're things that basically the master has in all of his labs uh, <laughs> and anything like that. But you run it through those things. But there's a lot of attention to detail trying to get things to sound older and more authentic. But yeah, it's a good question. Probably yeah. bored half the listeners, but it's it's our type of question. Yeah, thank you, Adam. I think we've said enough on that. We've got one uh, last one here from um, Nathan Gervais. Uh, good day, big finish podcasting professionals. Oh, thank, when, you, thank you. When it says good day, all I could think of was happy day from... Um, from Children, uh, of the Stone. Children of the Stones. Yeah. Um, Nathan from New Orleans here, wishing you both well and in never-ending quest to give JHE more of my money. That's, of course, Jason Hay Gallery. Uh, I was wondering and hoping Big Finish could look at these three properties for super-duper audio adaptations. First one is uh, Mike Carey's Felix Castor novels. Um, Caster is a professional exorcist, exorcist, in a world where all forms of supernatural manifestations are real and known to the general public. 
five novels in all series is a well-written hard-boiled detective series with horror elements yeah love stuff like that i would love for us to do um vampire the masquerade as well very similar cool sort of urban oh. spooky so yeah so it was originally a game and a tabletop thing but it's so cool these wonderful urban kind of uh, vampires in the real world mm. um Kim Newman's Anno Dracula series. I'm, I'm, I'm sensing that Nathan might be a horror fan here. Yes. Um, the the setup is Van Helsing and company failed and Dracula survived the events at the end of the novel. The Count then married Queen Victoria and turned Great Britain into a vampire state. Nice. Uh, the subsequent novels jump around different time periods. Mm-hmm. Um, then, of course, we have Ben Aronovich's um, River of London series, very popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, a magical mystery series featuring the Mets Supernatural Division. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Uh, all seem to be right up Big Finish's street, and I think they would make cracking good audios. Uh, that's it. And I thank you both for your time and talent. Here is hoping for an uneventful 2023. Best, Nathan Gervais. Some cool recommendations there, yeah. Yeah, they are. I mean, it's as always with these things, it would just be reaching the the correct market. I mean, mm. you know, I think Big Finish's uh, uh, blessing and curse is that we are known for Doctor Who. And it's Doctor Who people who come to our site. And the other things that sell well are things that Doctor Who fans also like. But what we need to do is find a way of reaching these audiences, other audiences for other things like, you know, thrillers, crime thrillers, spy and stuff like that. They they constitute the most popular fictional genre. You know, if you look at the pie yeah. chart, I've said this a zillion times. Haven't I? If you look at the pie chart of popular fictional genres, it is all crime thriller stuff. It's like more more than 75 uh, percent. And then sci-fi and the other ones are just little slithers, you know, slithers. Can't actually speak today. It's a bit of a problem. Uh, It's it's hard though, isn't it, as well though, with, with you know, spy and crime things and thrillers. It's hard because you you have to have a a recognisable range of that for people to to engage with it, you know, because you can release a million sort of, you know, our own creations of things, you know, sort of just, you know, whatever it is. But people might not pick it up because they might see it and think, oh, it looks interesting. But, but people don't to come be... to Big Finish for that kind of thing. No. No. Loads of people love it, but they don't, you know. It's it's the veg shop. We're a vegetable shop, and uh, Doctor Who is the vegetables. And if we suddenly put a pair of shoes there, people who come in to buy the vegetables and fancy a pair of shoes go, oh, I might buy those. But no one is going to come to your veg shop to buy the shoes. Spot on. Uh, everyone at Big Finish. Apart from people that maybe put, you know, wear marrows as shoes or something, then they might go in. Didn't we all just get a new pair of marrows? It's brilliant. I yeah. think you're destroying yeah. my analogy, which is just. Yes, I, uh, I was going to say that just... every, everyone, everyone who I work with at Big Finish is sick and tired of hearing me use that analogy. So, uh, is that now... the orange squash one as well? That's the other one that you do, undiluted do orange squash. Yeah. Oh yes, yes, that's true. And ice cream flavors of ice flavor cream. Of, uh, yeah, the flavor. Yeah, that <laughs> that story was related by. Um, one of my colleagues in a meeting recently and they attributed it to Steve Berry, the head of marketing. And I said, excuse me, that's my analogy. That's me. I'm the genius here, not you. Well, I, I'm the same I... genius. I'd say the boring one. Anyway, uh, before we all fall asleep, that's it for the emails this week. More next time sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. 
Well, the Randomoids Electron is gearing itself up in the background for its much-anticipated return. Oh, yes. Can you feel the vibration? Oh, I can, I can. Well, well put on your seatbelts. Uh, getting ready to offer you, of course, a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. But before that, it's time for Also Available. And this week, a really lovely bit of Torchwood, Death in Venice, with the wonderful Ace and the ever-delicious Mr. Colchester. I'm Sophie Aldred and I play Ace in Torchwood. It's so exciting. Hello, I'm Paul Clayton and I play Mr. Colchester. Welcome to the First Class Lounge, Miss McShane. Mr. Colchester. I hope I'm not interrupting. No, these days I'm never alone. Some guy, I think he was trying to serve me papers. Oh, I see. Actually, I think he was going to kill you. Bubbles? We've done a lot of running and jumping and falling about, haven't we? Yes, I love running and jumping and falling about hmm. on the radio because it involves basically an awful lot of standing still and my life is much better for standing still. And grunting. And grunting. Mm. Um, but yes, I think it is good because the first one in those two rooms put two characters together who nobody expected would be together and we learnt about how they worked together and built up the relationship. So this time there is more chance of more action and for us to actually be more physical because um, listeners who are familiar with the red list will understand how how Ace and Colchester actually function together. Mm. I really, I, the relationship is definitely growing, isn't it? Mm. And I love all the sort of James Bondy stuff, the snowmobile, the motorbike. I mean, that's very Ace for a start. And I love the fact that that uh, Mr. Colchester is slightly reluctant, but probably enjoying it a bit as well, do you think? Uh, yes, I think when he gets home, he tells Colin about it and, and, and it gets a little enlarged in the telling, <laughs> I think is the word I'm looking for. Um, I think he does. And I think that's the side, just the way that Colchester asks some questions that Ace probably wouldn't want asking and, and quite key to the plot that he opens up some thoughts that she hasn't had uh, I think she does the same for him in that he questions why he takes a, a, a default position of, of grumpiness and hatred against some things I, I like I like also the sort of playing with the trust aspect of it that they don't quite know whether to trust each other or not mm. they know they kind of get on and like each other yeah um, one of the one of the uh, stage directions was was Ace saying uh, idiot and fond it was. And I think she is fond of Mr. Colchester now. Got a gun? Sadly, not on me. Right then, we fight back later. For now, uh, get in! We're spending our honeymoon in a linen closet. Fancy. Stop complaining. Never. Hi, I'm Stephen and I'm the director. It's a, it's a lovely relationship, um, and uh, they have such a great dynamic together. Actually, um, you wouldn't, you wouldn't like. It's one of them ones where you wouldn't trust both of them to do a job together. Like you wouldn't like be yeah Ace and Colchester together. 
but they actually do a very good job um, and they get on quite well. The killer's still in, in the, the building. building. Come on! Oh, give me a moment. We don't have a moment! I'm going back to remove any fingerprints. I think that horse has bolted. Oh, I'll see you outside. They are absolutely amazing actors who take notes on really quickly and make the job easier for everyone. Um, so I don't think there is a hard thing. The cheque is in the post. I was going to say, can we have that as a sort of little clip to play back? <laughs> no, it's great, to, it's great to have Stephen here. It's the first time we worked together. And uh, I think the difficulty is that probably Sophie has a long history of Ace and knows Ace better than anybody else. And I think this is my seventh year as Mr Colchester. Um, and we've developed a certain way and been working. So for somebody to come in from the outside but to pick things up has been a real help because it freshens up what we do and it asks questions that we might not ask about these characters because we think, oh, I know how he says that, I know how he does that. And actually, we shouldn't. We should examine it every time we get a new script. And, um, and that's why it's great to have a new director. So we've enjoyed having Stephen here. The Doctor, that rosy picture you paint of your childhood, all those times you danced back to the TARDIS, did you think of the mess he left? The lives that needed to be put back together? Did you ever give any of those other worlds another thought? Yes. Did the Doctor? Torchwood, mock us as much as you like, but we exist because of the Doctor's mess. If you go to bigfinish.com and type Venice into the search pane at the top, Torchwood Death in Venice will be the first title offered to you. Enjoy. Hooray. Oh, and don't forget, we'll be drama teasing you with the first Just 15 minutes of 10th Doctor Classic Companions very soon now. But first... It's the Randomoid Selectatron. Welcome back. The Randomoid Selectatron. <laughs> Offering you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. Big Finish release. Um, well, so- Jamie Anderson, our good friend, will be pleased with this one. It's Terror Hawks Volume 2 has popped up. Wow. Should we? How many Terror Hawks volumes are there? I think there are three on there. I'll double check. I, I feel like there are three in my bones let's I, offer I, all three of them just to just to be nice because the random volume one on. volume two volume three there we yeah. go yep all three volumes of terror hawks available oh, brilliant real terror hawkian deal there isn't it they had such fun doing them and they you know they've done pretty well and they it's nicholas parsons turns up in one of them the late great broadcaster of great fame in the UK. For those of you in America, you're going, who's Nicholas Parsons? Well, you'll, of course you'll know because he was in The Curse of Fenric. <laughs> yes, yes, of course he was. Anyway, as, as we, should as hear, um, we should hear a, a trailer for Terrorhawks and you have to guess which volume it's from. Big finish. We love stories. Especially the ones where you die horribly, Earth scum. It's been nearly 30 months since any attack from Mars. Feels more like 30 years. I hate it when things are this quiet. You never know what her upstairs has planned for you. Run, run, garden, like a teddy bear. What are you doing? Terrahawks, stay on this channel. 
This is an emergency. Now we've got a chance to prove that we're vital to Earth's defenses. Sir, a fleet of Zeefs is approaching Earth at high speed. Open fire. I shall find their base, and I shall destroy Teradorks. City old Branston. This is our pickle. Anyway, a worrying number of Zonga customers are turning up dead in suspicious circumstances. We are absolutely raking in the Wonga! Evil, manipulative old hag. Not at all. I like him a char lady. That's no lady. That's Zelda. Oh dear mother, they're making fun of you. I am not amused. Victory will be ours! Expect? The unexpected. Subscribers get mauled at Big Finish. <laughs> so yes, I don't know whether you've got the gist there. Um, Terror Hawks from Jerry Anderson, who of course created Thunderbirds and Stingray and Captain Scarlet and UFO in Space 1999. Uh, and after he'd finished Space 1999, he spent years trying to develop some TV series and finally got this one off the ground. With a, a it, it did use puppets like uh, Thunderbirds and Stingray et al., but it was uh, a different kind of puppet operation. I can't remember what they call it. It wasn't super marination. It was something else sounding very, very grand. And th this was very much um, for a, a new generation of children. It was kind of their Thunderbirds. Um, not for old codgers like me. To me, it was just a weird thing that happened in the 80s. But, you know, it does have its, uh, its aficionados. And basically involves an evil witch of a genius on Mars trying to conquer Earth. You see, that's basically the story. Um, while I email Jackie Emery at Big Finish to make sure she knows which releases to attach the offer to, Benji, please explain how you get the 25% discount. Certainly will. And That's will you do it in the style of Terrorhawks? Stay on this channel. Uh, <laughs> All you have to do is go to Big Finish for the love of stories. That's the website, bigfinish.com. I was reading it, as I said. Uh, then go to podcast. What podcast? Yes, you do. That's right. That was the that was that was uh, Windsor Davies there. Just popping in for a quick one there. And that's Denise Breyer's voice. She was in Labyrinth. All you have to do then is go straight from there down into the blurb underneath the thing and click here and enter the code buck up. And when you enter the code buck up, you will get 25% discount and I will explain it in normal terms just because it's chaotic for people <laughs> go to bigfinish.com go to podcasts once you're in podcasts click read more then in the blurb underneath us it says click here and then you just enter the code buck up and you get 25% off there we go it is done it is complete excellent just finishing my email to Jackie Jackie took me a bit long that sorry Good, good, good. Well, Ran, what can I say? You're a pal. Next week's podcast will be packed with big finish goodness, of course, including Doctor Who Unbound, Doctor of War 2. Also, the collected Unbound Doctor Who adventures, you know, very popular. We'll be talking about those. Uh, the Worlds of Blake 7, Zero Point, and those fantastic Jerry Anderson releases we were chatting about last week, the TV21 audio annual Anything Can Happen. 
And the full cast audio drama Thunderbirds release, Thunderbirds versus The Hood, which when we talked about it last week was going to be at the end of October, but it's been brought forward to now. So oh, very excellent. basically woo-hoo is what I'm saying. Woo-hoo, yeah. <laughs> well, woo-hoo to you too. Great you. stuff. And uh, just time now to thank you all for listening and remind you to send your emails to podcast at bigfinish.com. Oh, yes. Uh, that's right tell us what you have for breakfast maybe tell us what you would like for breakfast Uh, and well that's it well except for one thing remember we do all this for the love of stories and now let's join the 10th Doctor and Leela in Splinters by John Dorney it's not funny I don't know why I'm laughing once upon a time that is how stories begin But have you ever stopped to wonder what that means? Once upon a time. I remember when I lived in the worlds beyond, where hours and weeks and years meant nothing. Where yesterday could return at the flick of a switch. And tomorrow was but a short walk away. The past is a strange place. It is where our memories live and our souls die. The me you find there is not me, not anymore. I left her behind a long time ago. And yet somehow, this very second, she is a ghost, a whisper, a splinter. Gone now. And I am all that remains, living on, without her. So, I suppose, once upon a time, I was Leela. And now, I am just me. Conserve your strength. Let her with me. But I want to hold her. The men and women of the village had never truly seen either of them in their youth. The men considered her too plain, and the women thought him a weakling, the runt of the litter. It mattered little. They saw each other. That was enough. United in one heart. Let me away with her. I can find a place. I can keep her safe. There's no point. But he will hear her. He always hears. In other years, this babe would have been a blessing. But this year, and the ten before, and the twenty after... We have to do something. No. We cannot afford to make him angry. Why? He already intends to spirit her away. What more can he do? Steal her twice? We must enjoy the years we'll have with her. There's nothing else. I will not stand by and let this happen. If he cannot get in, if he cannot open the door... Well, he opens all doors. (laughs) 
door is barred. He cannot pass through. I wish you had not done that. Quietly, quietly. Still, he may not know we're here. He knows. Little man. Little man, let me come in. Don't say a word. A child is born to you. I would celebrate its birth. If we do not let him enter. If he does not see her. We have no choice. It's how it's always been. Do not hide. Show her to me. No! And as they watched, the door itself turned, twisted, broke, formed itself into a man, or something like a man. Keep back! You keep, keep away! You can't come in! But it was too late for words. The creature in the doorway was older than the world, older than time itself. And it needed just one thing. You thought to bar my way, little man. He did not mean it. Oh, he did. Naughty. What lesson is that to teach a young girl? And such a happy one, too. Keep back! No, I came to celebrate a bird, and that is what I shall do. The creature ran its finger through the child's hair, <gasps> anointing her, <laughs> marking her. She's my daughter, please. She is but a newborn. And she will be mine in time. Now I have paid my respects. No! But for now, Keeper, I have no use for children. I shall return upon her 18th birthday to take what I am owed. And you will never see her again. Don't! Please! The creature stopped in the doorway, as if considering his request. But you disobeyed my law. And disobedience has consequences. The branch grew from his hand quicker than any plant, any tree. It found its target. A heart united no more. Kathy! No, 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 no! No! Eighteen years. You would do well to leave my path clear that day. Kathy! Kathy! Once upon a time, that is how all the stories start. Stories of magic, of bravery, of children and wild, wild woods. Of loss and death, of heroes and heroines. Where there are always, always monsters.
hell's going on? Oh. Oh, come on. Come on. No, 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 no. I didn't agree to the upgrade. No! Never agree to the upgrade. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, wait. This isn't new. This is old. This is really old. You all right, old girl? Is that a distress signal? Oh, come on, what now? A proximity alert too, what's going on? Ah, right, well, at least you got the right desktop back. Now then, what's this? Ah, something floating in space. Something like... No. No, that is not possible. No, that is really not possible. Well, quickly then, can't lose him. I... Ah. Yes! Yes! No! Oh! Ah! Are you okay? Oh, you're not looking well. Talk to me. No, hang on. Ah, oh, still here somewhere, isn't it? Um, well, I never threw it away. Uh, ah, yes! Master. K9! Yes! The whistle still works. Just like riding a bike. Standby mode deactivating. Second edition, if I'm not mistaken. Correct, Master. Oh, I know my dogs. Fancy bumping into you here. Actually, where is here? A rather undistinguished bit of the galaxy. What were you doing out there anyway? You don't make a habit of floating around in space, do you? This location is a meeting point of dimensions. Right. Romana sent me. Romana, yes. I have been maintaining guard. Well, whatever keeps you busy. And I have been waiting for you, Master. For quite a while, judging by the look of you. Um, I suppose space is very big. And they call it dogged persistence for a reason, so you sent the distress signal. Correct. I require assistance, Master. Really? Well, well I'm not about to make you beg. I do like a bit of snow. Is this all right for you? I'm fully equipped to handle all terrain. Really? You sure? That's not how I remember it. Mistress Romani made improvements upon my design. Ah, right. Bet she did. Always did like to show off. I do miss her. Oh, that's the way, is it? Correct. Follow me, please. Well, seeing as you asked too nicely. Oh, you've got to love a winter forest, haven't you? Always looks like a Christmas card, even at night. Could do with more robins, though. That's not the anomaly, is it? Lack of robins. The hypothesis is unlikely. Yes, I imagine so. They're not nocturnal. Pity. That would have been an easy fix, probably. Which temporal anomalies tend not to be? The precise details of the irregularity were unclear from my scans. I'm sure, yes. Well, that's the thing with abnormalities. They're abnormal. Why here, though, eh? Why Cornwall? I mean, some would say the whole county's a temporal anomaly. That's a bit harsh. My scanners detect a settlement ahead. We should be able to make further inquiries there. A settlement, eh? Yes, great. 
Great. Well, what are we waiting for? Come on, chop, chop. You know, I would have expected a bit more wildlife. I know, it's the bleak midwinter, but this is ridiculous. There's nothing snuffling in the undergrowth. There's no owls in the trees. Wait. No owls in the trees. Most definitely. Did you hear that? Negative, Master. No sounds registered. What, not even the branches bending and creaking in the wind? This unit meant that no unusual sounds were registered. Well, are you sure? There is no wind, canine. So why are the branches moving? Hands in the air. Oh, hello. You from the village, welcoming party. Funny way of going about it. Nice spears, though. Is it homemade? Hands in the air. All right, all right. Yes, fine, if you insist. Though K9 might find that harder. Master, shall I? No, 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 just, just let's see how this goes. What is that? You're familiar? Well, we know each other quite well. I wouldn't go that far. Stay back, monster. All right. Rude. You're early. One of the advantages of a time machine does make it awfully easy to be punctual. Only trouble is... I'm not exactly sure what I'm early for. Your death. No! <coughs> oh, well caught! Mid-air and everything! Leela! Leela, what have you done? Stopped you making a mistake, Peter Kelly. This is not the one we hunt. Leela! It's you! Ha! But he comes now. He comes today of all days when my daughter has but an hour left of her freedom. Now, the form may not be exact, but I feel that creature in him. You attack one of my oldest friends. He would not come here with malicious intent, nor accompany one who did. I'm glad someone's figured that out. What, a company? What do you mean, a company? Silence, stranger. I am right. Am I not, canine? Affirmative, mistress. You are here to help us. Affirmative, mistress. Yeah, right, I, I see what's happened here. And this man, he is to be trusted. Affirmative, mistress. He is the doctor. <gasps> doctor? Well, I was going to say. It is you. Hello, savage. Been a long time. We must leave the wood, quickly. Midnight creeps upon us. What, you, you, you would bring them back to the village? Yes, I would. This way. Well, you heard the lady. I'm sorry I did not recognize you, Doctor. Oh, that's okay. It's a new suit. Uh, probably that. I've been in this place so long, nearly 30 years now, that the memories fade. Yeah, that's the worst thing about them, memories. And the best. They all go. The good, the bad, none of them last forever. Wait, how? 30? Around that, yes. But the last time I saw you... Well, you, you lived a long life. I hope to. But you must have been about the same age as you are now. And in a completely different place. Uh, does the name Lady of Obsidian mean anything to you? Should it? Well, probably, possibly, I don't know. I don't know. Trouble with the time war. Nothing ever quite makes sense. K9? Master? 